Welcome to Oak Tree Pet Pod, the podcast from Oak Tree Animals Charity, keeping you up to date with life at the charity. Through these podcasts, we will introduce you to some of our animals and our animal stories, discuss current animal welfare issues with our team and invited guests, and give you an insight into life in a UK animal charity. I'm Caroline Johnson, General Manager, and today we're talking about our Helping Poor programme, our vital fostering service that helps those who are homeless or flee domestic abuse. And I'm joined today by Maria Holmes and Steve Harkins from Carlisle Key, our Community Officer Julie Charlton, and our Head of Animal Welfare, Caroline. So... Julie, Helping Poor, tell us, what is it? What does it do? Well, Helping Poor is a fostering service for people who may need fostering for their pets if they're fleeing domestic violence or they may be homeless and struggling to get any housing because they've got the pets. So they need this service just to give them that breathing space to move on. So it's like a stepping stone and we've got fosterers that will look after their pets while they're finding either a place in the hostel and then going on to housing or just being able to get away from any any violence in their lives. And how long do we offer that service for? We can offer it from a day to six months so, and then we would review it after six months because I think people worry that it's like it's a cut off time at six months but it gets reviewed. And why did that service come about? Animals, pets are so so much part of the family and it was stopping people from moving on. People were staying in the homes um, or staying on the streets because there wasn't a service that we have. So they're basically putting their own selves at risk just so they can stay with the Yeah, pet. definitely. Exactly. It was when we heard the story of a gentleman who was refusing, or just didn't want to go into the hostel because he was living on the streets and he just couldn't give up his pet. He just didn't want to. It was his non-judgmental friend. And that was his barrier for seeking that help because he needed that emotional support. I mean, I understand that with my dogs and cats, that actually they're so important to have those that relationship with. And it is like having part of your family. And for those who are experiencing domestic violence, obviously that's a huge barrier to leaving the home because often the abuser will actually use the pet as a tool, won't they, Julie? That's right, yeah. that that can There's quite a high percentage of that that they would be likely to harm their animal as well. Um, also, there's the other side that it's a family as well and it's a family pet mm. and it's probably the only constant in the children's lives as well that they have a pet at home. So it's so important to the whole family um, to be able to get away from that sort of thing. I mean, I, we, I had a homeless guy and I worked with him for 10 months before he actually could trust us to take his dog. And so it's not, it's not always an instant thing. It's something yeah. that people have thought about for a long time. And they, they didn't know there was any, anything like this existed. So they need to, they need to get out of that. And it, it's not, as I say, it's not an instant thing. They really have to think about it. So, and it works perfectly. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm going to bring Maria and Steve here from Carlisle Key. Obviously, you have a lot of service users in this sort of situation. What does what sort of challenges do people who need support face when they've got pets? Well, you, if you are facing homelessness, the local hostels don't accept pets into the hostels. So it really is either giving up your pet or as we as we found with Oak Tree that now that you can foster have your pets fostered for a little while until um, you secure your own house 
So we've done that a few times, particularly this year. Um, we've had some kittens rehoused with yourself, uh, fostered, I beg your pardon, not rehoused, fostered. Um, and we've had a couple of dogs that have been fostered and that allowed the people to come into the hostels so that they were not street homeless and they were able to get their pets back once they were settled down, once they knew that where they were staying. Um, and Oak Tree have been absolutely amazing with us this year in being able to facilitate that for some of our young people. Oh, thank you so much. Um, but what what did it mean to that person? Was, was That person was unwilling to access help because of their pet originally? We, we have experienced that, you know, um, many times really where um, young people, their pet is their only thing that they love and loves them back unconditionally so that has been really difficult for them so they would rather sleep in a tent in the winter in the cold in the rain than give those pets up but as i say this year because of the fostering scheme with oak tree um, we've actually been able to get them to have their animals fostered rather than give them up They've gone into hostels, got themselves accommodation, and then they've been able to get their pets back, which is amazing. Oh, that is absolutely, that's really lovely to hear that happy ending, that those stories. And as a charity that obviously does amazing work in Carlisle, you obviously need as much support as you can get. And what, beforehand, what were your options? What, what other options were there? Well, really, the... In terms of housing um, animals, there wasn't any options that we were aware of. I know that Oak Tree helped us because we had young people who, even though they were housed, they were on very low budgets, often with a lot of debt. So their money was very limited. Um, so Oak Tree have helped us over a number of years to be able to give cats and pet food and things like leads and things and as Stephen said there, um, opportunity for vet services, you know, so if their animals needed checked over or injections, we came through yourselves and you were able to help that way. Yeah. And I think from Judy's Judy, from your perspective, why have you got any stories of people that you feel have benefited and how how people who listen to this podcast are people who support us, often support us, and really help fund this work to make this difference to the animals in need and also the humans who need to get back on their feet. So what difference to the, does the generosity of our supporters make? It makes a lot, a lot of difference. I mean, all my fosterers are so committed to the scheme. And one of the things that we ask them to do is just to keep updated lots of photographs coming back and everything so then I can talk to the clients or the caseworkers and so they know that their animals are being well looked after and and as I say I mean the fosterers are amazing all of them they just love the animals as if they were of their own and yeah we couldn't obviously couldn't do it without the fosterers. Yeah, absolutely they're so important aren't they and what does i mean when those that those stories go back to those who have given up their pets for fostering what do those stories mean to them maria we had one girl move away um who really loved her cat and you know it was really important she would not have moved away to get the help and support that she needed if her cat 
had had to, you know, be given up completely. She just wouldn't have gone. So that would have meant a life of, um, you know, chaotic lifestyle, um, violence there. But because Oak Tree offered us the fostering, that person was able to move away and know that a cat was safe and oh, wow. they're being reunited. So that's absolutely amazing. That is an amazing story. It really is. And it's not just the people that get affected by this. Animals, we're actually, we're a great believer if we can keep a pet in a loving home where it's right and appropriate to do, we should. Um, and we should be trying to keep those people, those pets and owners together. The human animal bond is so important. And from an animal welfare perspective, guys, um, how, how do we approach that? Uh, well, I think as you say, it's it, where we can we're always looking to keep animals in the home uh, whether that be through offering advice helping with things like the food bank with food parcels i think that's an area where our supporters are fantastic it allows us to reach so many more homes just with a simple thing like offering help with, with feeding the pets as uh, maria mentioned before help with uh, veterinary services which can be uh, cripplingly expensive for some people on the yeah. on low income brackets Absolutely. Uh, so wherever we can keep the the human and animal together, it's definitely something that we would look to do. And helping poor is a, is a, a fantastic vector for that with um, people who are in real difficulty and who otherwise would have n no other means of staying with their pet to the detriment of their own well-being and, and welfare. And I think the people who are perhaps at the lowest ebb need their animals more because the animals are support to them as you know we we obviously love our animals and want to do our best for our animals but the animals pay us back a thousandfold a hundred percent so if, if you're at that low ebb and, and and life is not going well for you to then have that crutch that support taken away i think that's also a terrible thing so it's another reason to keep them together and um, from an animal welfare point of view to have an animal in a in a good relationship with its owner where its welfare is looked after and it's healthy and it's stable something always to be looked for absolutely and Judy you coordinate this program what sort of what, what if you had to think of one story that really meant the world to you and actually illustrated the power of this program could can you describe that story a little bit um they're, they're all lovely stories because the, we've been 100% the all the animals have gone back which is amazing that's wonderful and we have tears beforehand, <laughs> we have tears from the fosterers, and then oh. tears again when they're reuni reunited. So every case has been wonderful. Um, I've had a family, a big family, that have had to give up the pets for a short while. And then when they've come back, I've, I've gone with their animal, and the whole family's there ready to... Get, um, get their cat back and that is lovely I've had a gentleman that was on his own totally on his own had nobody else except for a dog and it was lovely again to be able to take that dog back to the home but to keep in contact with him as well and I think he yeah. quite liked that contact so so he wasn't only getting contact and photographs he was getting contact with myself and so there was there was a bit yeah. of a link there as well because there was no no one else in his life it's definitely an increased support system for them yeah. that yeah. human yeah. contact as well because loneliness can be a really huge problem yeah. can't it I mean Maria do you see a lot of people 
who in, in your, using your service who are experiencing loneliness for whom contact with organizations like yourself at Carlisle Key or just talking about their pets is so important yeah so from a Carlisle Key perspective we work with 16 to 25 year olds um, who are either homeless or experiencing or are at risk of homelessness but that's just one of the services that we we offer it's our biggest service but then we start to work with them on the other issues that are behind that we have a counseling service for young people we can help with appointments form filling we can do cvs with the young people we'll take them to medical appointments and just since november of oh, pardon, december 2019 we have two houses for carlisle oh, so we're now able to house people which is something that we've been working on for many years and it's a great achievement for us oh it is well that is amazing that's an amazing opportunity and and quite often for our young people um they, they're not usually allowed to take pets into you know like everyday services of course yeah. so you can't take your pets into a doctor's you can't take your pets into the hospital you can't take it into you know like the local housing authority um offices so that's very difficult for them because often they're on their own and they don't have anybody that can take care of their pets so um for our young people you know we do allow them to bring their pets in for a little while to, to be able to be seen. During COVID, you know, it, our, our service has been like on an appointment system. Right. So if they've got an animal, the animals come in with them as well and, and left with them as well. Oh, no, I mean, that, that, that is amazing. It's a huge barrier. Um, pet ownership is a joy, but it is a barrier to accessing support. And that's obviously why Oaktree is working in partnership with organisations like Carlarkey to try and resolve those situations. Well, we did have we did have a cat in the office the other day, didn't we, uh, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was nice. So we had little water bowls. It was having a wander around on the, on the desk and the furniture and things. And what we have done with other housing associations is worked on pet policies to try and support. But it is a big challenge if you're an office owner or if you're a business owner. Actually, how do you have pets, pets and humans, and keep health and safety? What does a pet policy look like? So we've worked with other organisations, housing associations and local businesses to help them become more pet friendly. And I mean, what can having a pet in the environment really do? Are there ways of overcoming the barriers that we see? Um, I'd like to think so. I think it's a really, really difficult challenge for everybody and particularly for the groups of people we're talking about now, they're already homeless, they're looking for accommodation and quite often the only options for them in permanent accommodation will be no pet rentals, um, which is again then going to perhaps be a barrier for them. And I think it's just trying to convince um, landlords and agencies of the benefits of pet ownership in terms of the stability that that provides for their tenants. Um, They tend to be responsible people they have another life to look after uh, they, they take really good care of them they I, I, I really can't state enough the value of allowing these people to keep their pets for their own health mental well-being uh, and and the wider society because if these people have been taken care of and are stable 
uh, themselves, <coughs> then we have less problems globally, don't we? Yeah, you find you find also if you've got if you've got a pet anywhere in a group, especially like a group of young people or people that aren't that you know not finding it that easy to communicate with people if you've got an animal there it opens that, that door oh, it opens the door they yeah. just talk and talk and talk because we've all got something to talk about um, and same with hostels I mean some hostels not I don't think any of our hostels allow pets no. but in other areas they do but it's hard work to be able to get that yeah. uh, on board so it's something we would love to work on <laughs> no, you, can illust- you can illustrate that open access um, I mean, the, the story of, the, of someone with a dog. If you're walking your dog, you're going to have 101 conversations. If you're not walking yeah. your dog, everyone will walk past you. And that's the same. It opens doors, it opens services, and it starts conversation. Because a lot of people who are experiencing homelessness and domestic abuse are actually quiet about it. Um, they actually don't always want to engage with people. But it's a really stressful situation yeah. for them as well. Exactly. And having a pet generally calms the situation, it relaxes people, yeah. and it gives them almost like a third-party outlet for them to be able to express themselves. It gives them a complete conduit, yeah. isn't it, for yeah. a conversation yeah. and for emotion and expression. And if we can keep pets and owners together in those situations, not only does it help the pet in terms of not separating because pets do suffer when they're they separated they from grieve. their owners they grieve they, you can see if you've got a pet and owner with a close bond the pet also suffers by that separation but actually it's amazing for the owner's mental well-being um, and for that person's absolutely massive so some of our listeners may be experiencing some of these situations um, they may be abusive relationship or they may be experiencing homelessness and actually scared of what the future could hold if people are experiencing these issues, Julie, how, how can they get access help for them and their pet? Well, they can access the help um, by... Refer- it is a referral system, but it can be referred from lots of places. Obviously, Carlisle Key, Citizens Advice, any housing agencies around here. And we don't just work in Carlisle, I work in Penrith, Allen- Allendale Council, Copeland Council, so all over Cumbria, the police, victim support, um, all lots of women's groups, um, just anywhere that you can go into, uh, doctors, pet shops, anywhere, <laughs> vets, anywhere where you can speak. I mean, even going into the vets, if you're speaking about your dog. You know, there's there's always that as well because they do know most of the places around here, and as I say, Allendale and um, Copeland, they know about us as well. That support is so support is it's there. all there. Citizens' advice are really good. Um, the job centre as well. Honestly, yeah. we could go on and on. So, j- so. J- just if you have the confidence to talk, you're not going to be judged by the team at Oaktree or any of your service providers or referrers. It's a case of actually we're here to help. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. yeah. We we just class ourselves as a, another friend, another helping hand. And if if people came to you, Maria, what what advice would you give them if they were concerned or if they wanted to know how to access help? If they have an animal, we would be, you know, contacting Oaktree to look at if there's any options for fostering of the animal. Um, Obviously, we we are trying to rehome people, and we have many people that are involved in domestic violence. so that's quite complicated to to get help because obviously they're frightened of the repercussions of seeking Absolutely. help as well. That's one of the big things for for our young people. Um, 
So we we would refer to other agencies such as victim support. If it was a really serious um, incident, we would be referring to the police. Um, If it involved children, we would be referring to children's services because that's the the statutory duty to report to those. But the upshot of that is if there's animals involved, normally there wouldn't be any help for that. So the great thing about Oak Tree is that gives people options either for them to be adopted or for them to be fostered in the the short term, which is a a brilliant um, service for our young people. I think certainly from Atrius' perspective, we value the partnership we have with organisations such as Carlisle Key and the work you do is absolutely amazing um, to try and support these young people who are experiencing incredibly hard times. Do you think it's... uh, Maybe important as well to let people know that when they do approach any of these agencies and ourselves, that everything will be confidential. Uh, and so, you know, because that can also be a barrier if they're worried that things that are going to get out that shouldn't, or again, and it's about being non judgmental, that they can come and talk to people in complete confidence. It is in confidence, and that's one of the reasons why during this whole podcast, the stories we've had, we've kept them very uh, loose, that we're, we're keeping them. Uh, and Protecting confidentiality and anonymity, it really is important that we're able to do that. Volunteers and the people that support Oak Tree, because that's enabled us to enable our service users to move forward with homelessness, with the other issues in their lives, knowing that their pets are looked after. Thank you. So if people want to get involved with the Helping Poor as a fosterer, how do they go about it, Junie? Well, you can you can get in touch with us straight away. You can you can give us a ring, uh, go on the website. There's fostering forms as well. Or if you just want to chat about it, just give me a ring, and we'll have a talk about it. Um, and so it's quite easy to do. And then what I will do is a home visit, a nice chat, and everything. Explain the animals that we have and the confidentiality yeah. of the whole procedure. And you know a lot of the fosters that I have do understand and have um, experience in a, a lot of the things that we're, we're talking about some of them are carers some of them have experienced um, some sort of trauma in their lives as well so they understand the confidentiality of it all and they really are amazing people aren't they, they I mean are being a fosterer is dedicated. <laughs> yeah we, we can't thank them enough and I think this best. is a big shout out to all our fosterers yeah. you are absolutely amazing we love people. the fosterers we do love the fosterers <laughs> absolutely and we'd love more <laughs> yeah if anyone does want to get involved Julie would love to hear from you I know that she'd be amazing but Obviously, the Helping Poor programme is absolutely being supported. It's been only made possible by the support of so many trusts um, and grant fundraisers. And thank you so much to all of you who have sponsored the programme um, and to the generosity of our supporters who donate uh, on a regular giving basis or just one-off donations. Um, it just makes a whole difference because we do need to make sure these animals get the vet care they need. We do need to make sure that Julie is able to go and collect animals, take them to various places and just just make sure animals are well looked after and cared for. And obviously they need to be fed, they need to be uh, have, have the right equipment and they need any care they need. Um, and that goes across all the fostering programmes we run, doesn't it, Kaz? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ev- everything that we do relies 100% on donations from our supporters. So... 
it's only through their generosity that we provide any of the services that we provide here. Um, and for fosterers, although people looking from the outside in may think because they go to a fosterer, there's no cost implication, it's simply not true. Uh, we're still providing all of the food, the veterinary care and the transport for the animals. Um, so it's really important that we continue to get that support so that we can continue to provide the services for the animals and their owners. So what's, what, I, what I find so amazing about the Helping Poor programme is it only started about three years ago um, and Julie joined us in the team and started building it together. It was an idea in response to the fact that there was no other provision that people in North Cumbria could access. And it's just grown, it's made such a difference and the lives it has changed and transformed, both animal and human, have been immense. And obviously you do work with these people on a daily basis um, and these animals on a daily basis, Julie. And it really means the world to them, doesn't it? It does, it does. Um, I mean, I still hear from some, some of the people I've helped, I'll still hear from them. And going back to sort of the, the financial side of it as well, we, we can't choose which animal comes in. I don't know when I get that referral of what age the animal is, what it needs, you know, how what its medical has, history what is. Its exactly, yeah. We have no assessment at all. So I have had a couple of, of animals in that have had ne- needed a lot of veterinary work, and and it, and it is an expense. And again, a lot of my fosterers do help with that as as part of a donation, and also the people that have helped as well. They Absolutely. like to give something back. We get some lovely thank you cards. The thank you cards will come to me, then they go to the fosterers. And these Absolutely. people never meet. They'll never know where their animal's been. Yeah. They just know that they've been well looked after and it, they've managed to move on. And a lot so. of service users have come and then it's donated back. So they've oh, yes. donated the cost back of the treatment. So it's not just going away from animals that need it and it's not, it's not funding animal, people that don't need that support. People have just shown their generosity and just been able to just feel grateful for the care their animals received and help fund that at work themselves. And some of them have fundraised for us as well, and it's been amazing people. Um, so yeah, it's a project that's very close, I think, to all of our hearts. Yeah, it's a, it's a very emotion, emotional side of it. It's just everything. It's just you talk you're talking about myself, uh, the people I'm working for, the fosterers. It's very emotional, very passionate about the whole thing and you can see it through and everybody wants to help everyone wants to help so it is it's a lovely scheme a huge thank you to our guest today from carlisle key and of course team Oaktree, and to all our supporters and funders who make this project happen we really can't thank you enough for helping us to make a difference if you have any questions you'd like answered or areas you'd like us to cover in a future podcast please do email them to us at info at thank you so much for listening to pet Bod. we hope you enjoyed it see you next time